Hey, I'm Joel Blackstock with Taproot Therapy Collective, and I'm here with Harrison Irons, Dr. Harrison Irons from Southern Ketamine and Wellness. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're both in the kind of trauma therapy or trauma treatment world. Um, ketamine treats some stuff other than trauma too. I'm not the expert in that, so if you wanted to say a little bit about ketamine, how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we use ketamine therapy, IV ketamine therapy, to treat uh, not only PTSD, but treatment-resistant depression, anxiety, and some uh, chronic pain conditions that we won't get into. And how ketamine works is uh, largely theorized. I don't think there's a, a certain consensus on exactly how it works, but there's lots of different mechanisms on how it works, which are vastly different from your traditional um, oral medications um, for depression and anxiety, which is why I think it's so novel. And the, uh, ketamine will work immediately as opposed to waiting for several weeks to months for medications to potentially make a difference or not. Yeah, I mean, I've got people who have a a manic depressive episode or they're starting to realize they have bipolar disorder and they want to get medication but the medication is like you got to try one gets into your system for three weeks and then the psychiatrist right now it's like you may wait six months to see somebody who it's can hard do the fancier stuff and, and you may be rapid cycling yeah. and you may be more manic or more depressive and the mm -hmm. medication is the picture's all muddied when you do chronic pain treatment how does that how does the ketamine work does it change the way that the brain experiences pain or the way your ability to tolerate chronic pain or what what do you find to be the effect there? I have the, probably the least experience with that. So the leading um, pathophysiology on ketamine for chronic severe neuropathic pain um, is when you antagonize the NMDA receptor, you dampen down what we call central windup and sensitization of the spinal cord, which mm -hmm. is makes your body like hyperalgesic or you experience pain to a much more heightened degree than you normally would. You're able to reverse the hyperalgesia involved in having those chronic neuropathic pain conditions. Um, and there's also a lot of emotional component involved sure. with the pain, so it's kind of a two-bird, one stone, which you which you touched on, um, because when you're able to tolerate the pain m emotionally better, mm -hmm. the physical manifestation of the pain is also lessened. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the the new stuff or the the kind of the good stuff, we figure out that it works, and then we spend the next decade trying to figure out how it works. Yeah, um, and that's and, how everything's yeah. discovered by accident. Sure. Yeah. I mean, when the you know, what's his name is putting you know his letting his petri dish mold and realizes yeah. that you know penicillin can kill you know this mold can kill the it was bacteria. Just a messy lab yeah. guy. Yeah, so you gotta make some mistakes. You know, you don't want to hire anybody who's you know too too perfect. No, you don't want to be a perfectionist. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I mean, when I treat chronic pain here um, in the past, that's not really my area of expertise, but I've done a little bit. It seems like there's like two parts of it, and one is that people almost get traumatized by the thing this is hopeless it's going to last forever it's coming back and so there's a panic response which of course makes the pain stronger because mm -hmm. now like a you know i'm panicking and, and physical sensation is heightened negative mm -hmm. experiences are harder to to get out and more obsessive about them but then also that you know stored trauma from um ptsd and things is uh you know, the subcortical brain is under consciousness, it's the body brain, and a lot of that stuff has a strong somatic association. And so oh, like, the tension in my back and the way that I felt when you treat that, and then the, the pain condition is less, even with chronic medical conditions that, you know, I, I can't fix, mm -hmm. the response is better. Um, what, I mean, can you maybe walk us through like what the experience of ketamine is like? I mean, we've had, there's people that we've referred who've told me about it, I've talked to you a little bit about it. Um, we do a lot of brain spotting, EMDR, somatic therapy, meditation here, but it seems like, or my experience is like, that the the patients who have, you know, 
a dopamine disorder that's just making it too hard to even do talk therapy. The depression is too hopeless or they're cycling too quickly. Um, and that we're not quite able to get brain spotting or something to take seem to have a strong um, benefit from the ketamine. Is, would, would you? Yeah, absolutely. So we've you know, been doing this for about a year. And so we've seen a lot of patients come through and do ketamine therapy for a, a wide variety um, of conditions. And um, everybody has a different experience with ketamine and everybody's experience with subsequent infusions are different. The first one's not the same as the second one. Um, it's almost like the brain kind of knows what's locked up in the back of the mind that mm -hmm. needs to be examined during that infusion. And something may have been conquered the first infusion um, and the second infusion, something else happens. And we have people try and tell us, you know, while they're doing the infusion, where they're seeing things vividly and they're trying to um, kind of speak clearly as to what it's like, but it's, you know, it's difficult mm -hmm. to interpret um, just kind of like a secondhand person. But a lot of people say, they can like imagine their life in layers mm -hmm. and their brain is processing layers at a time or mm -hmm. they have a like a deep hole full of depression and trauma like a well sure and ketamine will force bad stuff up out of the well mm -hmm. and they'll see it and they'll deal with it and they'll kind of bubble over yeah and that is now gone and they have to see what's left in the well but just from like a what the ketamine infusion is like it seems to be um like i said variable but overall very pleasant mm -hmm. um relaxing calming um, people do have a variety of emotions to it sometimes it's it's happy it's sad it's peaceful it mm -hmm. can be a little um, erratic and some people can get really anxious um, mm. initially and that's it's a lot of kind of how your headspace is before we do the infusion uh, can definitely influence how you have a reaction during the infusion yeah the, that's interesting I mean there are two things there that kind of jump out is like one I think that you're kind of describing going into a part of the brain that isn't cognitive. It's not mm -hmm. thinking in thoughts or language. It's just feeling an emotional experience and a physicality that's associated with that emotional experience, you know, that kind of limbic reptile mm -hmm. self. Exactly. So a lot of times there's metaphors and symbols and stuff, you know, down there that don't quite fit into language. And so it's like you're trying to explain what you're realizing, but it, while you're doing that, you're losing it because it doesn't quite work yeah the um, reptilian brain it yeah. doesn't have the eloquence of the rest of the cortex it doesn't need it. it you know the lizard is like this shade of moth brown means eat it this shade of moth brown means an owl is mm -hmm. going to eat me so my body and my emotional system just take over and um uh, yeah that, that so it, it doesn't need to pontificate and wonder and you know exactly. <laughs> it's just gotta move uh but yeah, the experience of there being layers to trauma, I think that's one of the things that's interesting about trauma treatment is it's like, we come in with the symptom here, but you're, you're realizing how deep this feeling goes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times where it came from is not anything that you would ever get to because of my analysis. You know, mm -hmm. if I was sitting back and trying to, well, maybe you smoke cigarettes because mom did this or whatever. It's like, I wouldn't get that right. But you give somebody a, a, a neuro experiential treatment like, like brain spotting or meditation or ketamine or and then the brain wants to heal itself. It's mm -hmm. smart, and you it, you go back into that place, and people have a wisdom that I would never be able to give them about their self from the outside. Yeah, it's be an introspective thing. They're on released. that journey, and like I just I think that's really cool. It's one of the favorite parts of kind of doing this. Yeah. When when I did brain spotting for the first time, I was like pretty cynical about it. I was like, well, I'll take some stuff from this training, but you know, like I, you know, I've never really found anything that was super hook line sinker, loved it. I always take a little bit of everything and put it together and I dissociated and then I felt like this feeling under my life of like 
not being good enough or being able to connect or something. And it was like, I'd never looked at that I was like running from and by being funny or being smart or reading or having something to help people. And it was like, oh my gosh, like this, I'm really having to sit with it. Yeah. um, But I mean, it was more effective. Yeah, absolutely. You know, any kind of like somebody saying, well, you know, you know, exercise or lift weights when you're anxious and, and really kind of going into the, the place, uh, I mean, you, you called it the shadow, but really going into the places that we never had mastery over, we feel unresolved about, we spend our life kind of running from, and it's where you find yourself and your gifts and your strengths. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, it mm-hmm. sounds like a kind of medicine that I've, I've seen be very effective at helping people yeah. do that. It sounds, it's like very similar to, to brain spotting. Mm-hmm. You have to identify, you know, what's the underlying cause. And you, can, you can't treat the symptom unless you know what's mm-hmm. causing it from the, like the, the ground level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's also good like healthy habits you can put in place like mm-hmm. exercise and dieting but unless you know like what's causing the sadness you can do things to try and treat it but unless you address it and uncover it and I'd say that you know patients that come see us um, you know they, they do well um, a lot of time ketamine is not perfect but mm-hmm. we've seen clinically about an 80% response rate uh, which has been really cool but the ones who do the best they have done, um, they've done work with people like you before and they've kind of dug into what's causing their depression, what's causing mm-hmm. their PTSD, and they've made big gains, but you know, ketamine can maybe be the thing that helps push them a little bit more and then they mm-hmm. go back to talk therapy and explore what was uncovered during that sure. psychedelic experience. Yeah, I think, um, and, and the research too is like, sometimes research isn't perfect in that it's almost like too small in scope, you know, like you'll see therapy modalities that are more depth-oriented research compared to like cognitive therapy and they'll say like okay well this person came in for a headache and you read what's actually happening when they do like psychoanalysis or something and the person's like I didn't even know who I was this changed my life whatever and they're like did your headache symptoms improve and they're like yeah I mean a little bit but blah 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 and the, the person's like gushing on the tape but then the researcher is like okay moderately effective yeah, <laughs> but because the headache was what they were studying so I mean I, I'm sure there's added benefit to ketamine because you know, you're saying 80% successful, but I mean, it's not just a drug that treats, you know, one thing. I mean, right, somebody right. has an experience, you were saying earlier, you felt more empathetic afterwards mm-hmm. and you felt more patient, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't, I wasn't like so impatient that I was going to get the ketamine, exactly. but yet my life has improved on these levels because I was able to, um, you know, do a more holistic medicine. Yeah, a lot of people will come in and they will do a single infusion and they will kind of discover all these things, just have like this big enlightening moment. And um, they don't necessarily need to pursue further treatments. They just needed to see what was going on that was causing problems. And then they'd kind of go away and reason through things. And they seem to be a lot better. Like a lot of people who do, uh, you know, go down to South America and do like a ayahuasca retreat or yeah. psilocybin retreat. And, yeah. you know, they learn all these things. They have this, this gross introspection without, you know, the association of the ego, kind of mm-hmm. similar to ketamine. They can see like, oh wow, like you were saying, like there's this something that's down there that's kind mm-hmm. of triggering things, and once you can see it, you know how to really actually face it and deal with it. Sure, that's I don't know. It seems like that's an important thing to do too, because we only get one life. You know, if you can really know who you are and and really grow into, not I'm the only one that can run this experiment of mm-hmm. becoming whatever I'm supposed to become, and you can avoid it for a long time or kind of get distracted, and it seems like. The, the, the good medicine is something that is helping you do that, you know, not just for one symptom, but in a more kind of holistic and integrative way. Mm-hmm. But, so I guess maybe the some of the details about ketamine, I mean, 
one, it's not covered by insurance right now in Alabama. That's correct, yeah. Unfortunately, the FDA doesn't recognize the authorable use of IV ketamine. Sure. So um, we've had some pe some people submit to their insurance, like a super bill of the mm -hmm. services, and they've gotten some reimbursement on the back end. But okay. unfortunately, I didn't even know they could right do that now. Well, I guess it's worth a shot yeah, to see if it doesn't you hurt to ask. Yeah, and do you want to say anything about kind of why that is or, or why it is that ketamine is something that isn't being pushed as hard as, um, you know, insurance pays for antipsychotics, they pay for antipsychotics, they pay for antidepressants, they pay for some other things. I mean, you, systemically, you know, like what's going on there that makes that? I think it's, it's a little too new um, right now, and the FDA has a very, very rigorous uh, approval process. Typically mm -hmm. things that are approved in like Europe and Australia um, are on the market for like 10 or 15 years before our FDA has approved it. Um, and I can also get into like, you know, the wealth of pharmaceutical companies and the yeah, is it pockets that they right? have. I mean, yeah. we research things that somebody owns a patent on. Exactly. Something like N-acetylcysteine, that's just an amino acid that, yeah. you know, if you drink too much or you go to the, you take too much Tylenol overdose for suicide yeah, attempt, you get an act at the hospital, you know, but that's very helpful for cholesterol. It's very helpful mm -hmm. for liver enzymes. It's helpful for a lot of things, but there's not a lot of research in it, except for a couple countries. I mean, Switzerland, Germany tend to research non-patentable medications, but here it's all, you know, if somebody has a patent, they pay for research. If they don't, then nobody knows that it works. Yeah, and ketamine's old. You know, the drug was discovered in the 60s, patented in the 70s for, um, you know, anesthetic use in the mm -hmm. operating room. And then, so this is a whole off-label use of it, which we use off-label off-label uses mm -hmm. all the time for different medications, but there's there's no money to be had in it because, like you said, it can't be patented. So but, the common domain, or yeah. is that the word for it when it's an older drug? I think so. It's like you know, the, it's just a generic yeah. form now. But they did patent spravato. Mm -hmm. That's the intranasal ketamine because um, every molecule has two isomers. Mm -hmm. There's like a left and a right isomer, and it's just the left side of enantiomer of ketamine. So they can patent that because it's something Isn't that's that what, specific. Uh, is too. It's like just the one rasmer of the same proton pump. Yeah, that's what they like do, a, is they change the isomer and they repatent the it. The body doesn't know the difference, yeah. it's just that the molecule is at a 45 degree angle and stuff. Yeah. But it is exactly, but patent law allows that patent to be a new drug. It. So all of a sudden there's money put into it. Yeah, every five years or whenever the time limit runs up, they'll tweak it, then they'll mm -hmm. repatent it so they can make sure that they can keep charging, mm -hmm. you know, for the non-generic kind of a drug. But yeah, that's the problem is that, you know, there's no insurance coverage right now. And Spravato is not well covered at all in this state, even though it does have, you know, the patent. Do you see a, a huge difference in the way IV and ketamine works versus the way Spravato or something like that works when you're treating trauma or treating chronic pain? Um, Spravato, it seems to be, well, it only comes in two doses, so you can't really titrate in the dose. Um, it's definitely not the gold standard of administration where you mm -hmm. give it in the vein, you have to give it to the nose, mm -hmm. and then it kind of just disseminate there. Would different people uptake a different amount of the medication through the nasal cavity, or is it pretty consistent? Uh, it's cons like the it's, it's consistent in how the body absorbs it through the intranasal pathway, but um, the the coefficient is still less than giving mm -hmm. in an IV. Um, like you can eat something, but you have first pass metabolism in the liver, and so. The, the half-life that you get in the plasma is just not as predictable. I mean, IV is a pretty consistent mm -hmm. experience. Very consistent experience. Yeah. I, we used to work with schizophrenia before I had um, Taproot and did therapy and one of the, or did private practice therapy. And um, like it, we had a lot of med school students that would like come through the thing and we would like them working with that. It was like the mental health 
mm-hmm. or a part of that. And it generally, that was more interesting than just being in the ER, ER you know, <laughs> to do it. Like, so, but I, like I always talk about the way that like we need antidepressants, we need more antipsychotics, and we need more um, antibiotics. But that's a risk that a pharmaceutical company doesn't want to take because you have to go out and play with this whole new thing and then spend a million dollars or millions of dollars and then maybe you don't even discover the drug. So we have all these conditions that we can't manage that in the case of something like antibiotics are getting worse. We have mm-hmm. all these super germs that we oh, can't yeah. kill so much and no one will spend money to make the drug. Whereas like a statin is pretty easy to make because it's just a sugar molecule and you played with it a little bit. Now it's different enough to patent, but mm-hmm. you know, really all of the statins are the same. Like there's all not the any benefit, but before it goes into the generic, you can kind of fudge research a little bit and say, well, this one's slightly better for your liver. And then you make all of this money and everybody with insurance, you know, is sitting in front of the TV, watching the commercial to getting the drug and everyone's on it. And everyone eats the same, you know, diet. That's not great. Yeah. And, and so it's just this gold mine, even though like, what are there like 10 of them now? I mean, we really don't yeah. need them and they're still researching more yeah, and more, more and more and more. And yeah, you know, we do have a lot of heart disease in this country for the obvious lifestyle reasons, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of mental health that's been kind of stigmatized until recently i feel like it's melting away a little bit more it's being addressed and awareness is being raised but hopefully that'll be the catalyst to get more research well the the interest is there and i think especially the younger generation that we're kind of gearing our practice to trying to engage and and help um they don't have the same hang-ups about you know admitting that there's an unconscious or starting to try and you know go to therapy i mean what attitude is different but the economics of it are almost worse. I mean, therapy is more expensive. It's harder to get insurance to pay for it. The interest in trauma drugs and, and medicine, at least I haven't seen it change that much. You know? No, no, it hasn't changed much at all. Um, there's, you know, very little that's evolved with that, unfortunately, as of late. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, is there anything that we don't hit on? Or it seems like a, a good overview. I guess maybe people are curious if, if I am a patient and I've been in therapy and I feel like this conversation's made me want to be interested in getting ketamine, you know, what am I looking at? What do I do? Like, you know, Southern Wellness and Southern Ketamine and Wellness is the name of it. Yeah, you can Google um, us, check us out. You got um, a website that is is uh, easy to <laughs> say. I think it's easy enough. Yeah, okay. It's just SouthernKetamine.com. SouthernKetamine.com. Uh, okay. You can Google us, and there's a place to. You know, do your own research. We try and link a lot of articles. We got a blog, a lot of you know frequently asked questions, and then there's a place just to submit information for you know more information. We can contact you and kind of discuss you know what to expect. You know, okay. ketamine is um, you know, like we say it's not covered by insurance. It's not the most affordable thing in the world right now. Unfortunately, um, each infusion is three seventy five. Um, the literature that we have is not super vast. Um, and so what we have to look at is that doing an infusion um, six times in two to three weeks works well mm-hmm. for the most people. So that's okay. kind of like the general recommendation amongst all ketamine clinics. Sure. To kind of get and then started. And individualize those needs pop yeah, up. exactly. But, but you do see a benefit in somebody who wants to do ketamine also being in therapy. To, oh, absolutely. And I guess there, because I, I know that there's, I'm starting to see therapists in, just in, in Birmingham that work with like, they'll help if somebody's going to do an ayahuasca ceremony or psilocybin or whatever they're therapists that are open to that medicine even though they can't prescribe it or do it but they work with you to help integrate and understand the experience yeah i mean it seems like they're i haven't heard as many people say they work with ketamine but that's something that is findable you know yeah yeah uh yeah we hope to kind of do it more we've had um you know some physicians and psychologists and counselors Mm -hmm. want to learn more about it come in and um, check out the facilities and so hopefully the word you know kind of gets out there and 
Um, I mean, ketamine's really safe. Sure. Um, we administer it. We have um, Pilosan monitors on, can administer oxygen, can treat, you know, very small adverse effects if they were, were to arise. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the, the whole process from start to finish is usually, you said, um, you know, about an hour or how yeah, long? about an hour and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, you come in, get an IV, and then start the microdose of the infusion. Um, for the active infusion is about 40, 45 minutes. Then give you some time to kind of recover afterwards. You know, it can be a little groggy, of course. Um, and then once you feel like you're ready to go, get back with your driver. You can't drive, of course, because mm -hmm. after we gave you an yeah. anesthetic drug, it's not safe sure. to drive the rest of the day. And yeah. then, um, yeah, see how you do. A lot of people, you know, we tell them that, you know, the recommendation is six infusions, but a lot of people want to come in and see what one's like. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, I, that was great. Or, ah, I didn't really notice much. Mm. And so we don't want them to commit to something that they're sure. comfortable with, of course. Yeah, well, that's that's great. Um, well, I mean, I hope that that's helpful if anyone is curious and, and wanting to get help in that area or just wanting to kind of providers that want to learn how to, how to work with other providers to get patients with what they need. Um, you said southernketamine.com? Yeah, southernketamine.com. So southernketamine.com if you want to go see Harrison and gettherapybirmingham.com if you want to come see me. But thank you yeah. so much for coming and talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We appreciate it.